Well, good morning, everyone. Lord gave us another beautiful day to meet outdoors. And uh, sure, I'm thankful this morning that our Pastor John is with us and Brenda. God's grace has been abundant in our lives. This morning, uh, <clears throat> we are uh, wrapping up our series on the anatomy of wisdom. And so we've looked at the head, we've looked at the heart. Uh, we last week, Andy uh, talked to us about the eyes. We've looked at the ears and our hands, and today our topic is the tongue. As we're looking at the anatomy of wisdom, and uh, as we've chosen to break uh, our text of Proverbs down uh, by body parts, as the text seems to talk that way, because the wisdom of God addresses the whole person. And so the the writer to the uh, in Proverbs uh, writes them that way and uses that to make various points to us. So uh, as we begin here today, I want to uh, remind us uh, about a month ago when we did the ears. The ears was about receiving content for our writing, so it applies to our our keyboards or our thumbs if we're texting, whatever it may be, but our speech. And so to, to help to uh, lead into this a little bit, I just wanted to, uh, today we live in a day where propaganda is a, is a big thing. Um, and it's, so it's freely peddled to us from every side. You get it from the left, you get it from the right. It's not uh, one way or the other. Um, and so it's, uh, it's through words, and it uh, is a way of creating in people's minds uh, a thought process that, that uh, we may want them to have. And so the propagandist, um, one writer put it this way, they'll te- tell people what they want to hear, then give them what they want to have. That would be a pretty good definition of propaganda. Tell people what they want to hear, then give them what you want them to have. And then he quotes the uh, 17th century philosopher Voltaire, who said, those, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. You wonder how certain things happen in the world, and how do entire nations go certain directions. Well, you lie to people long enough, you can literally change their thinking. That's propaganda. This writer goes on to say, if people can be made to believe a lie, they'll believe they will live as if the lie were the truth. And that is, that is very true. The power of the tongue is what we're getting to here. It's very interesting, though, when I was thinking about that. uh, You go back in scriptures, you go all the way back to Jeremiah. You remember uh, Jeremiah uh, was a prophet to Judah, and the judgment of God is coming. And he had a very, even when God gave him that ministry, it was essentially go and preach, they're all going to hate you, have a good life. And, and Jeremiah, and he suffered much in his ministry, but um, at one point there in chapter 18, uh, after Jeremiah had told the, them that your prophets are prophesying lies, your priests do not speak for God, you have no voice among you, here's the, here's the people in Jeremiah 18:18. 18, 18, they said, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor counsel to the sage, nor the divine word to the prophet. Listen to this. Come on, let us strike at him with our tongue, and let us give no heed to any of his words. You see, way back there with the prophet Jeremiah, the propagandists were already at work that we are going to, we are going to beat this Jeremiah down with our tongues and uh, refute what he is saying. Of course, we know Jeremiah, he was thrown in a well and all kinds of stuff when he suffered in his ministry for the Lord there. 
probably some of that is what the writer of, the Pro, uh, of Proverbs had in 1821. Death and life are in the power of the, trun- of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, uh, the writer of the Proverbs says. And if we love it, we love the tongue, we love to talk, we're going to eat the fruit of what we say. That's the thing. And that's what the writer is saying there. Now, today, as our guiding text, I want us to uh, look at uh, Isaiah chapter 6. But if you want to mark in your Bible... Uh, James chapter 3, we'll reference as we go along, we'll reference three or four verses from James chapter 3. But the guiding text uh, for my remarks today will be uh, Isaiah chapter 6, and uh, we'll begin in verse 1. We're going to read the first seven verses there. Um, and this was uh, 739 B.C. It's very interesting, but, uh, one thing that in Scripture we can precisely date in chapter 6, verse 1, in the year of King Uzziah's death, and it's known that that was 739 B.C. We know when, when this uh, particular vision came to the prophet Isaiah. And so in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year King, of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him. Each having six wings, with two he covered his face. With two he covered, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have opened your word, as we think this morning, Lord, of how we use our tongues and the power that's in the tongue, all of us can recognize on how we're impacted by the speech of others, but also, Lord, how our speech impacts other people. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts today. Uh, Help us, Lord, to be people of grace, people of mercy, help us to learn that what is within us is what comes out through our mouth. Lord, we pray as we, as we do this that your spirit would speak louder than anything I may say, and that you'd be glorified in our time together, that we would learn together and grow to be more like you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, so our speech... I'm battling the wind a little bit, but I'm, I'll get through it. So Isaiah, in this, uh, in this vision, it's a vision of God. Um, it doesn't specifically say that uh, I'm asleep when it, with this vision, but he's in the immediate presence of God uh, in this vision, and he feels the weight of his own unrighteousness. Woe is me. 
I'm in the presence. He's literally in the presence of the living God. And, and it's only when God provides cleansing for him. The, the seraphim goes with the tongs and picks an alt, uh, an, a coal off of the uh, altar and brings it over and cleanses his lips. It's a symbol of cleansing. And it's only uh, when the Lord does that that he's able to stand because the, God, uh, the Lord God's going to commission him for a great ministry to the people. And he's going to be sent out as the, as the text goes on and says, who will go for me? Here am I, send me, uh, says Isaiah. And so the Lord is preparing him. And it's interesting to me that when, after the Lord has revealed himself, his woe is there in verse five, woe is me for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. I've got a dirty mouth and I live among people that have a dirty mouth. And and it's interesting uh, that that is what he, and we'll look at that as we go along here, but it reminded me of Jesus, what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. So I think that is our, our clue or our secret as we go along here today, that literally what comes out of us comes from within us. And uh, uh, it, it speaks to uh, our our growth in grace or not, that the mouth speaks volumes about what's actually in our hearts. And probably that's why the, the Proverb 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. You notice, and, and we will come back to these sections, but when Jeremiah, or was, I'm getting Jeremiah and Isaiah confused, sorry. When Isaiah uh, speaks his woe, it's after seeing the Lord God high and exalted above everything and his holiness, the holy, holy, holy. And I'm totally undone because I have a dirty mouth that speaks of my heart. It's not a detail, so I don't forget. I'm going to talk about our tongue, but to do that, I need to talk about our mouth and our lips. The Proverbs uses those. The apparatus of speech, yes, I know there's a voice box and all that goes into that, but the visible apparatus of speech, our mouth, our tongue, our lips, is what we're going to look at. And so Jesus in Matthew 15, he says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. We're going to talk about unclean lips for a few minutes. That's Matthew 15:19. He makes the point that what comes out of the mouth originates in the heart, as I just said. And then he goes on in the next verse to point out that it, it is what defiles a person. That is what comes out of the man, not what goes in. Remember uh, those uh, teachers of the law. He was a, all this interaction started out with. Uh, his disciples, and they're not keeping the law. And Jesus uh, makes it clear that it's not what goes into the person that defiles him, but what comes out. And so it's through the tongues in many ways that the contents of the heart are put on display. It just is. Particularly in moments of distress and anger. What's really in us, eh, that's what comes out. You know, well, you know, I'm just given to anger. Well, no, I'm given to sin. And so I, it comes out in my speech. And so the writer in Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Abomination to cause disgust or hatred. The Lord literally hates lying lips. Remember, we're talking right now about unclean lips. 
the the proneness that we have to have lips, as Jeremiah says, that lead, or there I am again, as Isaiah says, that lead to woe, the woe of uh, what's within that comes out, and I can't hide it anymore because I'm saying it. Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love love it will eat its fruit. Death. In life, and we know we know what this is like. Uh, there's literally death in life in the power of the tongue. You think of the judge when he passes judgment and decree that take this one and ha- and execute them, or no, don't execute. Literally, power of life and death in the tongue. But then, but then we've all experienced that person who, uh, when they come into a situation and they bring life to us, life-giving words of encouragement, uh, uplifting. Maybe they directed our hearts to the Lord, whatever. And there's life that comes in their words. And then there are those who, who speak in a way that literally sap the life right out of it. And it's right here. This whole issue of death and life in the power of the tongue, where our challenge, one of our challenges, where we, where the church intersects with the culture is the power of the tongue and how we respond to culture. It's less about what we say, though sometimes perhaps that, but it's more about how we say it. Uh, we must speak truth, but we can speak truth in a way that is uplifting and building up. Uh, there is in our society that turn inward where the person defines who they are. And so now my reality of who I am is what I say it is, even if it defies objective truth. And when we interact with that, we must speak words of godly truth. And often those are what's not wanted. I don't want to hear what your God has to say right now. And we have to speak into that. And yet, when we do that, that we need to speak truth, but not in anger or in a harsh demeanor. Notice this proverb says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I can speak truth and kill people with the truth because of my attitude or my demeanor when I do it. I was reminded of Paul's words, of this issue of speaking truth. He says, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4:15. that speaking the truth in love, and so the the question for us is is how to intersect with a lost world in, in a difficult days and still speak truth, needed truth, but to speak it in love, and then to take the hits that may come with it, and so that like our Lord, who literally was supreme over everything, let these little people, these little creatures of the dirt. Speak of him as a demon, uh, speak of him as a devil, spit in his face, thrust a spear in his side, and die on a cross. That's our example. That's our model. How did he respond to Pilate? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then one more, this unclean lips. This is uh, from James 3.6. The tongue is a fire, very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of life and is set on fire of hell. Are you encouraged about your tongue? <laughs> you realize that the tongue, our mouth apparatus for communication, ever since the fall, we speak lies, 
We speak harsh. Uh, we speak unkindly. Uh, Proverbs 18.7, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are the snare of his soul. That, that what, a, what the fool speaks is his ruin. This is the person who can't help speaking, especially when it's inappropriate or not helpful. And it's his ruins and the lack of wisdom. Because remember, our overarching topic in our whole series, it's the call to wisdom, the anatomy of wisdom. What's wisdom in how I use my tongue, how I speak, how I use the speaking apparatus? It may be the fool's mouth is his ruin. It could be the damaging nature of the speak. But either way, runaway lips lead to a snare and ruin, knowing when to speak and what to speak. It's an issue of wisdom. Here's another one. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent, Proverbs 17:28. Sometimes, Sometimes even silence is the best thing. That time of when I should just not say anything, or to say at least less. That even the fool can be considered wise in this appeal for wisdom. Here's one more. Uh, He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart, Proverbs 26, 24. This is a person who can schmooze. I hate you. But I'll polish it and disguise it by what I say and how I say it. And the whole time I'm building up deceit in my heart. And he who hates disguises it with his lips. Cover up the true feelings and true intentions towards the other. James again, 3.8. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison it is if you will our lifelong nemesis because it shows our fallen heart we cannot tame the tongue now the holy spirit of god can but i just had to say it maybe not we've all been there we've all made those errors but here's the proverbs on that one 1031 the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom here's some hard words but the perverted tongue will be cut out (laughs) The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. We should be growing in the grace and knowledge of God and His Word and the growing awareness of the presence of the Spirit in our life. And, and it should show in how we use our mouth, how we talk, how we talk about people, how we talk to people. Uh, implications in our home. I mean, it's implications in all of our relationships. The tongue, the unclean lips. It's not a very pretty picture. There's much more that can be said on just that point alone. The uncleanness of the lips and the uncleanness of speech. But wonderfully, as I said there, Isaiah, when he declares his woe, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I love that name. One of my favorite names for God right there, Lord of hosts. Lord Sabaoth. Uh, a mighty fortress is our God. We used to sing that. Uh, Lord uh, Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Sabaoth means host, Lord of hosts. Literally, Yahweh of armies, the Lord God, is commander-in-chief of all forces, of all levels, in all of creation. He's Lord of hosts. He submits to no one. 
everything and everyone. All powers submit to him. Lord of hosts. That's who Isaiah saw. And he says then, wonderful, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. There is, there is atonement that the Lord brings for Isaiah so that he can then stand up and speak on behalf of the Lord God. And by extension, it's you and I, the atonement we have because of the blood of Christ. Now, how can I have victory uh, in this whole area of proper and good speech? And how can I learn to be that encouraging and uplifting person? Well, first we submit to the Spirit of God in our life. And let the Spirit convict us and teach us and uh, help us to have a mouth that speaks encouragement, that speaks truth, and that honors the Lord. Because we can have cleansed lips. Cleansed lips. We all stumble in many ways, James 3.2. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Perfect man, complete uh, finished. He's, uh, uh, he or she is, is, uh, reached maturity that they can control their mouth to such a degree that they only speak things that honor and glorify the living God and that are spoken in utter truth. Of course, James does go on, as we already saw, that the tongue is a fire in a world of iniquity, a restless evil and set on fire by hell to remind us it's a great challenge because in our Growth in grace, sanctification, we're not there yet. So we're going to struggle, and we're going to say things that we shouldn't say, and we're going to have attitudes at times that we shouldn't have, but we're not without hope. We're not without hope because we do have cleansing because of Christ. And James says if you don't stumble in what you say, your, your growth, your, your becoming complete in this perfection, Proverbs 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. He or she who guards their mouth, in other words, limit, control what you say, it's careful, godly speech that protects the human soul from trouble. Sometimes... We can talk ourselves right into a hole and dig it word by word by word, and then we want to crawl down in a hole and pull the dirt in and bury ourselves. I mean, just we keep our speech. If we would watch what we say and how we say it, likely just at the practical level, our life would go a whole lot better and a whole lot stressful. We don't have to keep track of who we lied to and who we didn't and who we spoke ungodly to, and so now i got to try to avoid them. So, you know, my shame and all the rest. The person of cleansed lips uses words and speech that edifies and builds up. Isn't this a challenge for all of us? I want to have godly speech all the time. I want to respond to you right every single time. Fact is, I don't. We're all on the road of, uh, in the process of sanctification here, but here's, uh, Proverbs 16:23. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lip and lips. And so it is, it is a heart issue, as uh, James reminded us, that what comes out of the heart in our Lord, that's what defiles the man. What comes out of the heart 
And so the heart of the wise instructs his mouth. And so as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, we grow in our understanding of mercy and of grace and of forgiveness. And it impacts what we say to one another and how we say it, including to a fallen world that needs the gospel we preach so desperately. And we can't stop preaching it. It may have a significant impact, though, on how we say it. Speak truth. Speak it as fallen people who have understood the grace that only Jesus can bring. So here's, uh, I put this in my notes. This is one thing you can do for, you, for the elders here at North Park is pray that we will have guarded speech, considered speech, and that we will respond in love to you and to our community and to a lost and dying world. I can't tell you how many hours over the years I've sat with leaders in this church as we try to figure out how do we say it? What words do we put in this letter? Uh, How do we give John and Phil wisdom when they make a statement about this or that issue that comes our way? In other words, considered speech. Pray for us as you pray for each other and, and for all of us, but that we will not fall because of our words. It's a prayerful desire to speak and lead in a way that builds up the body and represents our Lord well. Because we can have cleansed lips, but we do have our fallen nature that we're we're on the path of growing in grace, and we're not there yet. So what's what's the bottom line solution here? Well, it's right here. It's right here. Isaiah begins with it. Chapter 6, verse 1, in the year of Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. See that scene. (laughs) You see, the Lord is seated high on his throne, and his his robe is filling the temple, and the seraphim are flying above him. And they can't even bear to look on his pure holiness, so with two wings they cover their face. Because they're in utter holiness in, in, the, in the presence of. With two wings they cover their feet, and with two they flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory part of the way forward when we're talking about cleansed lips and how do we learn to have a tongue that honors the Lord as we learn to fear the Lord God. A holy reverence for who God is. Psalm 104, 1 and 2. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. And it's the white, hot intensity of the awesome holiness, utter purity of the living God. And a thousand suns would cast a shadow if God were to reveal all of his holiness and let it shine. It would dwarf everything in creation and it would all melt. God who is purity and holiness 
to the thrice high supreme of holy, holy, holy. That's who I'm speaking in front of. Nothing hidden. And the earth is full of his glory. And his glory extends to all of, that is, all of creation's farthest part of the universe, the glory of God. All the way outside of the universe, the glory of God. You go to the deepest hell and the glory of God is there. God's glory is everywhere. And a godly fear of his mighty presence and ongoing awareness of the majesty before whom we live will go a long way in moderating how we use our tongues. Like maybe we'll think twice before we speak. Wonderfully, if we have forgiveness in Christ, we're under the blood of Christ. And so there's mercy. If God immediately judged according to our speech, none of us would be here. So there's mercy with the Lord. We need to be mindful of who God is. And so watch your, st- watch your tongue, Matthew 5.37. Let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. In that context, uh, Jesus is talking about making oath, Making oaths as if some creature from the dirt, it's what we are, you know. Some creature from the dirt can, can make an oath and then take something of the creation that the Creator made as a way to affirm our oath when we can't, we don't even know if the next heartbeat's gonna work. How dare we make oaths? Yes, yes, no, no. Never invoke God's name as a curse or an oath. We don't know if we're gonna be able to keep our oath in the first place. With the best of intentions. This is Paul, Colossians 4 6. Let your speech always be with grace, those, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. The person who fears God is going to season their speech with grace. Man, I'm just a cursed sinner. I've played the fool. I need to remember who I am and in whose presence I walk. Rejoice in the mercy that I've been given and honor the Lord God with the speech that I have or that I make. So I want to come for a second then, full circle back to where I began. We live in times of rampant propaganda. A lot of that we hear is spin. Rarely do we hear straight truth when it comes to what's going on in the world. We need to be people, going back a month, we need to be people who get the content, understand and respond appropriately, but part of our appropriate response will be tongues that tremble at the presence of the living God. And we need to speak. Isaiah, God's mouthpiece going to prophesy and prophesy and prophesy, and we believe at the end of his life they sought him in two in a hollow log. Prophesy and speak for God, but do it in a way that puts the glory 
on the living God in light of the mercy that we've been shown. And we live with confidence regarding our position in Christ. We remember there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews 4.13, that God, the all-seeing eye of God, if you will. No secrets. He sees it all. So here's the challenge. If the clouds seem to be darkening for Christians in America, we should be praying, you and I, that at our moment of testing, we will speak and answer truthfully, but lovingly. And there may be great cost in that, but we speak truthfully and lovingly, and, if, and we let our fear and reverence for Christ guide us in how we speak. As one author I read said, if we properly fear God, there is not another thing in creation that we need to be afraid of, including death, if we properly re- fear the living God. So we live as people of boldness, and we live with people of integrity and with honesty, and in our daily lives, as we bring our series of wisdom, of the anatomy of wisdom together here now. May the whole person, body, soul, and spirit be submitted to Christ. May our feet, our head, our heart, our hands, our eyes, and our tongues all be dedicated to the service of the one who bought us at the price of his own blood. And then may Jesus be lifted up as we offer the entirety of our anatomy to his service and glory. It's what it's all about. You know, we believe uh, Solomon wrote the largest share of the Proverbs, or a large share. There at the end of Ecclesiastes, another book that Solomon wrote, they say probably about 935 B.C. Solomon uh, died in 930, and so late in his life, after doing many foolish things, Ecclesiastes 12:13 and 14 the conclusion when all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person and God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil fear God keep his commandments sounds a lot like Jesus if you love me you'll do what I say let's pray Heavenly Father, it's really hard to talk about the tongue with my tongue. (laughs) Lord, I pray that the words that we've spoken here today are true words, edifying and building up words, challenging certainly for me. Lord, that you would work in our hearts and lives. We want to We want to image you well, Lord. We want to respond to life in God-honoring ways. and uh, Lord, we want to speak truth. And we want to be people of courage. And Lord, we just recognize that, that we're not in many ways. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that you don't cast us aside, but you, you keep coming back and you work in us to, to grow us a little bit more. Lord, I pray that you would help us, help North Park to be uh, bold in our witness. And yet, Lord, let this place be known as a place where people are loved. 
no matter who they are, no matter what they're into, but that we love people because they are your people. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would be mighty among us, that we would speak the gospel with boldness and people would be saved here. So we just ask you to be glorified, Lord, as we continue on and and worship you with our tongues and our instruments because you're worthy of all praise, Lord. We just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.